Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon! Good morning, Lyle. Morning, Mon. I'm glad to see that you don't have a mouthful Yeah, still. I was going to say, you didn't think I'd make it in time. I did you? not. Yeah, That's yeah. why I started. It's like, quick, get the time again. <laughs> Let's get started with this show. Mon with a mouthful of muffin. <laughs> and of course, we can do that because it's the delayed broadcast and we are recording this piece. Yeah, yeah. you're basically just going to create more work for our producer. Or normally, it would just be the time ticking down and it would be starting ready or not. Mon mm. would be on air whether she had mm-hmm. a mouthful or not a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, now you've got a mouthful, don't you? Yeah, it's just water. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to the breakfast show. So this is show. really is the breakfast show because this is where we Eat have breakfast. breakfast. Yes, we really do. <laughs> <laughs> you should be, should be telling our listeners those kind of secrets. Yeah, do you reckon? No, they should I think maybe we should put it up, on, up on our socials, put like pictures up of what we have. Sitting here eating Weebix. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to be having porridge, but I don't think the hot plate in the kitchen works. We haven't had our porridge off. Yeah, well, the hot plate in the kitchen doesn't work, so it could yeah, be a while. Kind of, it might be a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of things in the kitchen don't work. work. Yeah, it needs a whole Renault, kitchen Renault. <gasps> the cupboards are about to fall. FM kitchen Renault, that'd be great. Ooh, we could do a whole segment on it. Anyway, we're so distracted right now. We are. <laughs> this is the delayed broadcast. If you haven't yet figured it out, um, it is Tuesday when we're recording it. We don't know when you're going to hear it, uh, but it does mean that uh, if you're listening to this, that means you're not listening to the live show, which means that you're missing out on the opportunity for the quiz and the opportunity to call in and the opportunity for a whole bunch of things. So, how do you, you listen to live across. show? Yeah, yeah, you should jump, absolutely jump, jump across. across. You can do so, there's multiple ways. You can go to the website, which is faithfm.com.au and uh, there's a little play button on the live stream. You could just press play. Or you can download the TuneIn app. Uh, it's a free app, or at least make sure you get the free version of it. And uh, search for Faith FM Australia and listen to us there. Or you can give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, and uh, ask us why we haven't got the live show out in your area, and then we can start organizing that with you. Okay, so coming up in today's show, we're going to talk about events in Sri Lanka. We have an amazing interview with Dr. John Ashton. Yes, really interesting Where stuff. he's going to be talking about the subject of evolution and whether evolution, whether it's possible for evolution to create new um, genetic information, uh, new genetic you know, mutations mm-hmm. that actually add something rather than take something away. We have some good news coming out from around the corner of Sri Lanka and India. And also in New Zealand, around the corner from us. Yeah, yeah, we do. Mon almost cries on yeah, the show, but not yeah. quite. She holds it together. together. It was most disappointing. I, together. I get my tears out before we go on air now, and then I don't cry on air. It's great. Anyway, stay tuned, guys. It's all coming up, and uh, amazing Bible study as well uh, on family unity. So stay with us. Moses was just a baby boy When his mama put him in a boat And the river took him home He met a pretty princess But it wasn't enough Till I heard a voice from a burning bush Saying, tell old Pharaoh to let my people go free David was just a shepherd boy When the prophet said he would be king Even though he was the youngest son He heard about a giant 
Went to see the king, grabbed a bag of petals and it sung his sling. And the rock of ages brought the mighty giant to his knees. Well, you may feel a bit insignificant when you're standing next to one of those men. But there was nothing special about him until they let the Holy Spirit in. And with a mighty hand, they took their stand while everybody else is making cheap talk. It's not the size of the man that matters. All that matters is the size of the rock. Have you heard about the baby king? Arco's herald angels sing. He was the father's only son. Taught us about heaven, we nailed him to the tree. But in three days it was alive and free because the heart of the rock was mightier than the stone. So the next time you feel insignificant when you're standing next to one of those men, like there was nothing special about you, just let the Holy Spirit in. And with a mighty hand, you'll take your stand While everybody else is making cheap talk It's not the size of the man that matters All that matters is the size of the rock Mighty hand, take your stand Listen to me, brother, cause I'm talking to you that was the Emmanuel Quartet, Size of the Rock, here on Faith FM, getting our day started. Mon, let's uh, get to our quiz, which is under our new system that we're doing this week, is a carryover from yesterday. So you we're so going to get in trouble for this new system. We gave away three prizes yesterday. Three, Lyle. Three yes. prizes. Expensive ones. There is a method to my madness, don't worry. <laughs> oh, excellent. I love it when there's method with the madness. <laughs> okay, so yes. Should I give away, quiz, give away the first clue of the Who Am I quiz? Should I continue? Like, should I go over it again? Or yeah, just... go over it again and uh, and then give us the second one. Okay, so the, it's a Who Am I. Uh, the first clue was two of my wives were Hittite women named Judith and Bessemath. And the second clue is my wives and I were a source of grief to my parents. Mm, give us a call if you know the answer. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text your answers 0491-064-669. Or, of course, message us through any of our social media platforms. Okay, so, Mon, if um, what, what have you got for positively different news for us yeah, today? Yeah, what are you going to say there, huh? Yeah, I was going to... Um, yeah, I was... You were about to launch your own piece, weren't you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't about to launch into my own piece. I was about to comment on the quiz, but I decided not to. Okay, because you were going to give it away accidentally. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of blunders, you had the audience all s- just stressed out yesterday. Oh, I did. Yeah, because because I left to go to the doctor, and you told them I'd left to go to the doctor, 
And so people yes. messaging me going, are you okay? What's wrong? What's wrong? Right? <laughs> and I'm like, I told him to say she's going to the doctor to get the rest of her vaccine shots for Africa. <laughs> it's nothing serious. <laughs> and so people are like all stressed out. You're going to get half the story. Aye, aye. Well, it's like this one. I mean, if you're here doing radio and then you wander <laughs> off to the doctor, it's clearly not anything serious, right? You, well, you don't know. It's not like, it's not like I said, I, Mon rushed out. Mon was rushed out the door to go to the emergency. Yeah, yeah. The, the ambulance came and took her to the doctor. No, it was no, nothing I think like there that. Was, I think it was were, Mon happily doing radio all morning. And it's like, okay, I have a doctor's appointment. I think they're worried because you and producer Shell have been sick. And Lawson's been sick. Oh, yeah, it was true. So, yeah. We have all been sick. Yeah, yeah, so you just never know at the moment with Faith yeah. FM your, team. Um, your, uh, your green turtle slime has actually been doing <laughs> Turtle slime. I love it. It's been doing quite good. Actually, I hate to tell you, I did wake up with a bit of a tickle and I can feel it right there. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to be right, like... I have, the, I have the solution. Bombarding myself with garlic. Is that the solution? <laughs> Uh, I, I will give you the solution. I'll give you the solution maybe in the next segment. If I get time in the next segment, I will give you the cure-all remedy for a tickle in your throat. I'm so scared right now. Please send help. <laughs> 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 but no, for those of you who are wondering, I um, we you know going to Africa. I had to get uh, Twin Ricks, which is the vaccine uh, for Hep A and Hep B, and you can't take yes. it all at once. It's like a three course, I think two or three courses, and so you do one on the first day, and they do another one a month after that, and the third one you do like three or four months after that, yep. and you can go to. Africa once you've had the first one or two um, so um, but you do have to finish off and you the had course. to get that one because you were working with um, medical doing medical work yeah 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 and monkeys so I didn't have to get that one because I wasn't doing medical work that's right yeah yeah so in my time in Kenya was with the medic stuff so yeah anyway Lyle I have some really sweet good news and I'm going to try and hold together because I'm not going to lie I did tear up reading these stories. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pass you a box of tissues. Okay, here's your tissues. Are you now ready yeah, to go? I'm good to go. I'm just going to claim I've got sickness. Not, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, the, the, the one of them is coming from India and one of them is coming from New Zealand. Which do you want first, New Zealand or India? Ooh, 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 ooh. Go India. Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, there's two Indian girls have been um, defining... Uh, sorry, defying uh, gender stereotypes in their village uh, for a couple of years now, actually. So back in 2014, their father fell ill and died. Mm. And um, his career was actually uh, that of a barber, barbershop uh, guy. So he would, like, you know, shave and haircut, that kind of thing. And this field is actually completely dominated by men in India. Really? And, um, yeah. And so because, you know, he was sick and died... And they could no longer pay. He could no longer pay the family's bills, and he could also no longer afford to send the girls to school. So uh, their education, you know, was at risk. And so these girls decided to take charge of their father's barber shop, so they could pay for his, um, well, initially for his medical treatment before he passed away, and also their own education. And they actually disguised themselves as boys. Uh, so to avoid confrontation over working in this male-dominated profession, and. Um, their, their story eventually came out and they sort of became like quasi-famous because, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, this is great. We need to have more women in India doing whatever career they like. Sure. It, it shouldn't be, you know, you're a woman, you can't trim a beard, cut some hair. Like, so they got the name, uh, the barbershop girls of Banwari Tola. That's their village. It's in the Uttar Pradesh region. Mm-hmm. Hopefully some Indians listen to this. Oh, yes, I know where that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope I didn't butch the name. And, uh, I know where it is. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Oh, look at you all. 
it's or an Indian. cultured. Oh goodness me! <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to boganism. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the story actually um, was picked up by Gillette. Gillette Shaving Company is the world's largest shaving company, and they uh, heard about this story and they said they need some good publicity yeah, right now did. after the last almighty yeah, yeah. mess up blunder. Um, so what they did was they actually gave them scholarships to pay for their education. So they covered all their education, and they were presented by uh, Sachin Tendulkar, which is uh, I think one of the most famous Indian cricket players mm-hmm. there is right now. Uh-huh, don't know true. him because yeah. I don't like cricket, but. <laughs> How can you not like cricket? What is wrong with you? It's super boring, you are dude. So uncultured. <laughs> it makes hear two the, of us lie. Boganism coming out right now. <laughs> anyway, so so uh, Sachin Tendalka went to this village and uh, allowed the girls to give him a shave. Apparently, the first shave he's ever received from another person as well. And of course, they yeah, t- I've never had a shave from anyone else other than myself. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so uh, they took pictures, of course, and filmed it. And it's just like you know, this little dingy barber shop. And, uh, and there's this super famous athlete. Uh, and, you know, and then he posted a picture of this on his Instagram. And, uh, and, uh, and Gillette, of course, did as well. Um, hashtag shaving, discrim- um, sorry, shaving stereotypes. And uh, hashtag dreams don't discriminate. I think they're two great hashtags, by the way. And uh, yeah, they actually ended up making a little documentary about it and just inspiring uh, women in, in, in these countries where they're still quite oppressed and they're still held back. Um, and I think it's really great. I think this is definitely a, a step in the right direction. I think Gillette finally set a foot right here. <laughs> Yep, yep. I can't criticize yeah. them for this one. Yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, in sponsoring these girls to get their education, so they can do even more than um than taking over their father's barbershop. So I'm really intrigued to see uh, where they go. I'm sure because they've become sort of like national heroes now. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about what it is they end up doing. But the second story I'm going to share with you, Lyle, coming from New Zealand. Oh, such a tearjerker. Oh, I should have I should have asked which one was the bigger tearjerker and get no, you to do that one no. first. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so this is actually uh, the world's biggest dairy exporter um, company. Uh, oh, what's the name of it? It's I've never even heard of this company. Maybe because I don't really drink dairy. Um, oh, F- Fonterra. You know Fonterra. Sure. Yeah, and uh, and they have uh, they work in they work like in the districts in the dairy uh, farming districts over in New Zealand, and uh, there's a family over there. Um, and their son, Andrew Oliver, he's one of only eight people in the world living with Frins Aftimos syndrome. Not quite sure what that is, but he is 35 years old and it's, well, it's a genetic mutation. And, uh, it means that he has the mental maturity of a six year old. Mm. And he also suffers from, um, five forms of epilepsy and also like just a variety of other symptoms. And, um, he has a very specific, nightly routine and can't deviate from that uh so he still uh lives with his parents on the on the, on the dairy farm uh in the t rapper district of hamilton and uh, so every evening since he you know has grown up he eats dinner takes a bath and then he would wait for the milk truck um that would come and drain their milk tanks every night and then he goes to bed and he can't go to sleep. He can't go to bed until he's greeted the milk truck that's come to drain their milk tanks, right? Um, unfortunately, the milk tankers uh, changed their system and they wouldn't arrive until the wee hours of the night. And so Andrew would not go to bed until the tanker had arrived. This is a New Zealand written story. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's called the wee hours of the night. <laughs> <laughs> we would not say that in Australia. I say that all the time. Anyway, Andrew's father, Ken, um, you know, has to wake up at sunrise in order to manage the dairy farm as per, you know, dairy farms. And, uh, and he, so the family's really struggled with the sleeping schedule change. And, uh, and then Ken's wife actually suffered a stroke and he just couldn't do the late nights anymore. And so he actually called Fonterra, this dairy company that picks up the milk, and uh, he said that he just called up the customer service line and basically just started crying on the phone. And he's, you know, he's surviving on three or four hours of sleep a night. He's just run out of energy. He hit the wall. Um, he just said he was so shot. He said his life had just become impossible. And he explained what was going on. He said, I need sleep and I can't get sleep until this boy's in bed. And basically just poured his heart out. And Fonterra, the world's largest dairy exporting company, Upon hearing their family's dilemma, actually rearranged the entire tanker route and schedule for the whole district so that the Oliver family was guaranteed milk pickup between 6.30 and 8 p.m. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, just that's so this really boy amazing. can go to bed early. Isn't that just so sweet? There are good people still in the world. Yeah, they didn't have to do that. I mean, a huge outfit like Fonterra didn't have to do that. And they could have just ignored the request, but they came through. And the family is very grateful, and they're all sleeping soundly early in bed. So praise the Lord for people who still, you know, will rearrange and take heart. Anyway, this is Caleb and Kelsey with 10,000 Reasons and What a Beautiful Name. Let me be seen. 
You're listening to Caleb and Kelsey, 10,000 Reasons, here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for the quiz, man. Yeah, and then I gotta, you got to tell me about what this sickness thing is you're going to help me out with. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, right. Okay. so who am I? Clue number three. My father said to me, you will live by the sword and you will serve your brother, but when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Okay. Crypto, give me a call if you know who that is. Who said that? 1-800-324-843 is the number. Okay, so Mon, you want your solution to the tickle in your throat? Here yes, it comes. Please. Here's how it works. So what you do is you get one whole grapefruit, one whole orange, mm. one whole lemon. Okay. And you peel them. But you peel them with a sharp knife so you leave all the white on the inside. You know oh, the, white the pith, yeah. The pith. You leave mm-hmm. all the pith, right? Yep. Yeah. Then you get one large onion. Uh-oh. A nice brown cooking onion. I really hope it doesn't involve mixing the two. <laughs> and you take all of the brown skin off the outside. So you've got the onion. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Then you get five cloves, cloves of garlic. Uh-huh. And you take all of the brown skin off the outside of those. <laughs> I'm being told two through the window here. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so they're all now, they're now, they've all been skinned, right? Yes. And you make one cup of peppermint tea. Mm, it's getting weirder. Yep. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> so here's your recipe. And this 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 is guaranteed cure right here. Well, Gu- guaranteed. Guaranteed cure. Guaranteed. You got a tickle in your throat, you are cured. Is it because I end up throwing the tickle up? Is that what <laughs> Okay, so then you put them all into a blender. You've got to have a decent blender, like a V8 blender. Oh, excellent. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I don't have and a blender. And you just hit blend. <laughs> hit the blend button, whatever button that is. I'm so glad I found a loophole. Bzzz, and turn them into mush. Yeah. Um, and then you drink that as a smoothie. Yes, well, as you just said, I, it will I make it will make your eyes water. I found a loophole, so I guess I can't. The, particularly if the onion is rather strong. <laughs> but, but, mm. but this mm. last flu that came around, Shell got it before I did, and she had it for about three days before I got it, and she was so sick. Mm-hmm. And then I started to get it, and I hit it from the moment I started to get it. I hit it with this concoction, and I think I had it for like three meals straight. And I still got the flu, but very, very mild compared to what Shell got it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Made a huge difference. Okay. okay. All right. So, there you go. If you have a favorite flu cure-all, oh, yeah, give, give us a call. Oh, yeah. Give is the number. We would love to hear from you, and uh, we will put your uh, flu we'll share it. cure recipe on out it. there so yeah. you can come up with a better one than mine. Or, or if you have a blender that you want to give to Mon, then yeah, also give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a V8 blender for Mon. Oh, a V8 blender. That sounds so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you need it. You need it. You need a really solid blender for making you know, good yeah, smoothies. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah Because it blends up all of the pith and the seeds. It blends mm. up everything. But, uh, but doesn't so the pith you. then, like once you blend pith, doesn't it uh, create a foam? You know the foam gives you gas, right? Yeah, and <laughs> which would you which would you rather have? A little bit of gas or uh, being sick in bed for days on end? Yes, feeling sir. miserable with a massive headache and a runny nose and a sore throat and not being able to sleep and fever and sweats and just so misery. you know, you and I work in a very small enclosed space, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the realization dawns on him. 
Okay. Well, you, know, you know what the you know what the solution is when you when when, when the person you work, when the person you walk work with work, yeah okay <laughs> go on no it's not working <laughs> I was going to come up with a solution that's not going to happen all right what's all happening right. around the world what now? is happening around the world um, two days of violence in Sri Lanka what uh, so just as they reopen the Roman Catholic churches over there. Um, they've had uh, attacks right across the country on mosques, on shops, etc., that have been owned by the Muslim community. Um, Just people retaliating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the police and military have uh, primarily been watching what's been taking place. You know, this is in a country that is uh, 10% Muslim and mostly is a Buddhist nation. Um, and as a result of that, they've had to institute a curfew, 9 p.m. to 4 a.m., and they've closed down Facebook and WhatsApp because they're being used to, um, to create organize, 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 organize riots and crime and that kind of thing. And this is deeply disappointing because, you know, while ever you've got these attacks on places of worship, while ever we do not retaliate, we have the sympathy of the world. Mm. The moment that we retaliate, it's like, yeah, this is just, this is just stupidity. Yeah, you know, this is just this is just Buddhist versus Muslims, and then the crazy thing here is that these are Buddhist mobs going after Muslims, and Buddhists weren't even targeted in this. This was Christians that were targeted in this. It's, yeah, this could this could be the start of like a civil war, really, that just carries on and on and on and on and on. And they've had a civil war in there mm-hmm. for Sri Lanka for how long? And yeah. they've only just had peace for maybe what the last ten or twenty years or something yeah. or other, and yeah. now it's just all firing back up again. Yeah. Uh, the only way that we can actually win over this is exactly the same way as Martin Luther King won in the United States, and that is by non-violent means. Yeah. Because whatever we use, and this was the thing, you know, when Martin Luther King was protesting in the U.S., uh, black people kept getting killed and killed and killed and killed again. And while ever the black community did not retaliate, it just made the white people look worse, worse. and worse and worse and worse and worse until things changed. That's it. Yeah. And while ever you've got these attacks and there is no retaliation, then... Um, you actually have the upper hand. You've, ac- you've got the upper hand. Yep. You've got the upper, upper hand all day long. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know... I know this as a public speaker because when you're a public speaker, there will occasionally be somebody in your audience that wants to stand up and heckle you and all that Mm -hmm, kind of stuff, mm -hmm. usually somebody that's mentally ill. The moment that anyone stands up, regardless of whether the congregation is with you or not, the moment that somebody stands up and starts to attack the presenter, the presenter has the sympathy of the entire audience. Yes, true. However... And, and and this is part of the training that we do. The moment that you then, um, you know, Engage, bring, bring, basically. The, bring the security in to actually lay hands on them to remove them from the building. Mm-hmm. So the moment you actually physically touch that person, the sympathy goes the opposite direction. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh. So, uh, you know, the art of public speaking, the art of dealing with a heckler, of course, is, you know, dealing with, with it through non, non-physical means. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's quite a science to it. But you know, this is this is what uh, is taking place in Sri Lanka, and this is what we need to. Um, this is really, you know, they're really shooting themselves in the foot by by going out and attacking Muslims. You know, the Buddhist community is completely, um, you know, doing themselves in. I'm sure the Christian community is involved in it as well, but the Christian community over there is very small. Has the Christian community made any sort of a uh, official um, statement about it? 
Not yet, but they need to. They need to get ahead of this. They need to, get there they need to come out very, yeah. very strongly, and they need to condemn this uh, yeah. in the strongest possible language, else uh, they run the danger of uh, of losing this battle. Wall. You know what happened in New Zealand when you you know got a white guy goes and shoots up a mosque, is that you know everybody has been ha- has had this very strong anti radical Muslim sentiment around the world, but as soon as we engage in reverse, it starts to balance out. And all of that, you know, um, resistance just goes out the window. Anyway, elsewhere around the world, in the United States, um, when they take their oath um, in relationship to testifying before a legislative committee or so forth, they will uh, testify on the Bible or on the Quran or on the Constitution and finish that oath with the words, so help me God. Mm. which has now caused a strong debate uh, with a number of Democrats proposing the dropping of the So Help Me God. So what's your opinion on this one, Mon? Should So Help Me God remain or not remain as a part of the oath in a government situation? Look, ideally I think you know it should stay, but we do have to be respectful of the fact that not everyone believes or follows God, and it is in, a, in some way kind of forcing uh, a view onto a person. Yeah, but only 7% of people in the United States are either atheist or agnostic, and the vast majority of those are agnostic rather than atheist. So right. There's a very small percentage here holding the rest of the country to Right, answer. but religious freedom isn't. It's religious freedom for the majority. Religious freedom needs to be religious freedom for everybody. Okay, so but then you're just creating a party, say, for instance, and this is the the criticism is that uh, uh, the Democrats are just becoming a godless party and an anti god party. Well, church and state does need to be separated. Yeah, but shouldn't shouldn't we as Christians shouldn't we as Christians want to have references to God? We should, but we shouldn't force them on top of, on top of other people. Like if if I like, let's say that, you know let's say that the the shoe was on the other foot and it was a Buddhist nation. And I had to testify. I wouldn't want to stick my hand on some sort of book and testify and so help me Buddha. And I wouldn't like that to be, you know, forced upon me. And so, therefore, although I am Christian and I believe in God and I want God to help me, I can't justify saying that someone else has to say, so help me God, when knowing full whether they might not believe in God. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I think that uh, those final words should be optional. Anyway, this is Bart Millard and Vince Gill. Jesus cares for me. Cares for me. It seems too good to be. All my worries and doubts released. Jesus cares for me. I was all alone.
I thought I'd never see the day my life would be Everybody, that was Bart Millard and Vince Gill with Jesus Cares for Me here on Faith FM. Mon has another clue for the quiz, so get ready to call 1-800-324-843 is the number. What do you got for us there, Mon? Clue number four, who am I? I was covered with red hair when I was born. Okay. That's a big clue right there. Yeah, it's a huge one. Who was that? If you know the answer, give us a call right now. There is an amazing prize coming your way. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. John Ashton, who is a uh, monthly regular here on Faith FM. Dr. John Ashton is the author of the book, Evolution Impossible, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Explain the Origin of Life on Earth, uh, available from Better Books and Foods and any good book, good bookshop, or uh, I guess you find it uh, online as well, Amazon and so forth. But uh, John, welcome to the show. Hello. Oh, madly pressed. Uh, can, you, can you hear me, Lyle? Yes, got you loud and clear now. We didn't have you there for a second, but we do have you now. You're right, good. Okay, so today we're talking about um, why new types of organisms cannot evolve by random mutations. Now, you know, when I look at a subject like that, really, if a new type of organism cannot evolve from random mutations, then evolution is out the window, isn't it? That's exactly right, yes. And and this is increasingly recognised. I think I uh, may have mentioned it in a previous interview that a couple of months ago, uh, 
it was announced that over a thousand uh, scientists qualified in areas related to evolution uh, research uh, who holds doctorates um, have signed a statement saying that they are sceptical that uh, random mutations and natural selection uh, can be responsible for the uh, diversity of life that we observe on the Earth. And th this is um, a very important uh, public statement now that is out there. And if anyone wants to check on this, just uh, Google dissent, as in D-I-S-S, dissent from uh, Darwin and uh, the details will come up and the, the qualifications. So I think this is uh, far more widely uh, recognised than, uh, than since I uh, wrote particularly that chapter of the book uh, six years ago. Mm. Yeah, and how long will that take before, you know, that kind of information would then start to filter down into textbooks and then finally into schools and into curriculums? Well, I think it'll be, it'll be a while because there'll be massive resistance to this because... If we don't have uh, Darwin's theory to explain the origin of life on Earth, there's no other explanation other than God. But really the converse of that is that we now have powerful scientific evidence that life is a miracle, that the life on Earth is obviously the work of a, a super-intelligent creator. So really science now is providing the evidence that uh, that God is real. Yeah, and that's that, that's very exciting. Now, John, you mentioned in your book here uh, three distinct ways that genetic information in DNA can be changed um, and thereby generate a mutation that could contribute to evolution. Um, I'm wondering whether maybe we can look at these uh, these different types of of uh, way that changes can take place and, and consider, you know, is this is this possible from an evolutionary perspective? Yeah, sure. Now, one of the reasons that I set this out was that we commonly uh, read in a number of textbooks and often the assertion is made on uh, documentaries that evolution is a fact. Now, evolution is a fact if we can say that, um, you know, ev evolution is observed. And the reason that we can say that is because evolution is a very general term. It's a term that just re refers to gradual change and gradual changes are observed. And that's where I set out, well, there are a number of different types of evolution and I called them type one, type two, type three evolution. And, and this is a very, very important point that needs to be understood, that evolution does occur but not the type of evolution that produces a new type of organism. It's not the type of evolution that can change a, a worm into a fish or a yeast into a worm, a yeast cell into a worm. It, that type of evolution doesn't occur. But evolution that produces slight changes in bacteria or in mice or in butterflies or in fish, that types of evolution, that type of evolution does occur. And what I tried to explain in the book is that the mechanisms responsible for those changes are very different from the mechanisms that would be required to produce a totally new type of organism or body part. Mm. 
And the reason is this, that most of the evolution that we observe results from the loss of information. And I illustrate that in my book in that um, you could have the sentence, uh, most scientists do not believe in evolution. Now, you could uh, have that on a computer and a, a, a two-year-old might randomly be playing around on the, on the computer and hit some appropriate keys and delete the word not. And now the sentence reads, most scientists believe in evolution. And so that is a change. It's totally changed the outcome. It's totally changed. And it was just a random thing done by a two-year-old. But what it deleted, it deleted code. Now, the chances of a two-year-old actually typing something new in there that made sense is quite remote. But it's very easy to delete something. And so that's the difference. The types of evolution that we see are where pieces of existing code have been damaged or removed and that changes something. But it always involves existing code and what it means is that you might knock out uh, the genes for colour or you might knock out the genes that make a beak particularly long and so now it only makes short beaks, uh, you know, on a, on a bird or something like that. So these are the changes that are observed. The other type of info changes that we can see is that it, um, in certain situations, particularly in bacteria, you can have pieces of code transferred into another organism. But again, that's existing code. What the theory of evolution requires is totally new, meaningful code to form, and we now know that those codes are so big and so complex in order for them to work in some sort of meaningful way that it's impossible for that to occur, and it's never been observed. Yeah. Whereas we observe these changes where code is destroyed or lost or transferred, we've observed that, but we've never observed meaningful, you know, large amounts of new code form. Okay, so that was my next question was, is there any any instance where new additional uh, non-existing code has been created, appeared, um, that uh, creates a uh, benefit to the organism? No. And, and this is a question, for example, that was asked of Richard Dawkins in an interview that was done well, probably more than 10 years ago now. And during the interview, he asked then for the camera to, to be turned off so that he could think about it a bit. And then when the interview resumes, he's talking on a totally different topic. Why? Because he couldn't give a single example. And again, in his book, um, Evolution, the Greatest Show on Earth, where he claims that evolution is a, an established fact, the only example that he could give uh, that appeared to be an example of where new information was formed was the work of Dr. Richard Lensky, a researcher at... Um, the University of Michigan in the United States, who was breeding E. coli bacteria, and these are a common bacteria that are found in the uh, uh, in the uh, colon uh, and in many uh, animals and organisms, um, and it's been extensively studied. These bacteria were bred through tens of thousands of generations, trying to look for a mutation that produced new code. And at one stage they did observe um, that some of these bacteria were now able to use citrate and as a food 
and citrate was being used in the media that the bacteria were being grown in as a, uh, a buffer against the acidic waste products. Um, and some of the bacteria began to use that, uh, that buffer chemical citrate as a food as well as their normal food. So they, they grew more rapidly than the, the other, um, uh, E. coli that were there in the other, uh, experiments. But when they looked at it, all it was was that there was duplication of a gene next to a dormant transporter gene. So the transporter gene to transport citrate into the cell to enable the organism to use it for metabolism was there, but it was dormant. All that happened was there was a, a mutation that put a switch-on gene next to that dormant gene that now switched it on. The bottom line was the code for the uh, E. coli to use citrate was already there. It was just... So there was no new code actually formed. Okay, so well, what, about the, what about the switch-on gene? Was that a new gene that just sort of came from somewhere, nowhere? No, no, no. That gene was already there. It was just in the duplication. It was misplaced and happened to be put next to a part where it switched on um, the existing transporter molecule. Now, this type of evolution occurs all the time. Not all the time, but it occurs occasionally as a result of mutations. What this means is that this is vastly different from creating new pieces of code that generate, say, something an eye. So for the first eye to form, you have to have totally new pieces of code to design a totally new system. For the first leg to form on some sort of creature, you needed a very complex code. You know, part of the leg isn't going to work. And you need a, a complete code for all the joints, muscles and tendons and nerves and so forth and, and energy systems to hydraulic system or whatever it is that operates the leg, muscle system. To, to form, it's, it's a very, to make a new part requires an enormous amount of code. And there's no evidence of those co- types of codes forming by random mutation. We know that they're so complex they can't form. Mathematically, statistically, we know that they can't form as uh, they're too complex. Now, what so about... So not yeah. only... Yeah, get going. No, sorry, you, you, you keep going. Yeah, so well, this is a very important fact that the mechanism that underpins Darwin, that is the formation of totally new code, has never been scientifically observed. And from a theoretical point of view, from understanding the theory of how evolution could possibly work, it's absolutely impossible. So this is the bottom line for Darwin's theory. There's no known way that new meaningful body part could form, the code for it could form, and secondly, it's never been observed. Even though bacteria now, those E. coli continue to be bred there now through 60,000 generations. They haven't mutated even into a different type of bacteria. They're still the same E. coli bacteria. There's no, and that's through 60,000 observed generations. And if anything was going to mutate, it's going to be something like a simple bacteria because there's fewer parts to to, to change and the opportunity to generate something new is very obvious. Sure. So on the basis of experimental evidence, we can see that now. If you imagine 60,000 generations, there's no changes. Now, what about when you look at things like, you know, elephants and humans and all these sort of things? So the bottom line is that there's no known mechanism at the present time for how evolution can produce the new types of body parts. Now, John, you've mentioned about how um, 
existing code can be uh, deleted through mutations or lost through mutations. We can lose information. How common is it for uh, for loss of information to take place in the in the genetic code? Oh yes, this um, you know this is certainly observed, and you know this was the the classic case uh, of the examples that are in the textbook uh, that during the industrial revolution um, these white particular moths were virtually made extinct because. There was so much soot over the, you know, buildings and on trees and so forth that the white wing moths were easily picked out. And so the, um, it was the black, uh, you know, dark moths that bred and so forth and, and they survived. And so these are, you know, classic examples of, um, of the, the loss of code there. Canola oil, for example, is from rapeseed or, um, and, um, the what we had there in the development of uh, 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 canola was that the gene that uh, produced the uh, toxin erastic acid, the enzyme that switched that gene on, was deleted, and so the plant didn't produce the toxin erastic acid, and so they then uh, identified some of those plants that had that loss of code, and that was bred up, and of course that became the modern. Um, you know, food, oil, canola that we use today. But that's the result of a mutation that deleted a gene that switched on an enzyme that was responsible for producing a toxin in the plant. So basically what we've got is uh, mutations uh, that delete code are uh, relatively common, I guess you could say in some ways, and easily observable, and mutations that create new code or new information are non-existent. Well, there's no, yes, they don't produce, they can produce, you know, a random piece of code somewhere that doesn't do anything. Mm, mm. You need a very large amount of code to be inserted somewhere to make a significant difference. Well, John, um, yeah. I think... Mm, Sorry, I was going to say we, we're, we're out of time, but uh, I was just going to say it seems to me that evolution is working the wrong direction here in that it seems that we've started off with a lot of information and now have less than what we had to start with. Oh, we're losing information at a very rapid rate at the present time. Yeah, mutations generally, well, they delete information or they don't do anything. Yeah. Uh, and the body has a lot of repair mechanisms and so forth, and we have lots of mechanisms to counter mutations uh, that we could go into, but that's another story. Sure. <laughs> John, thank you so much for joining us today. That was uh, Dr. John Ashton with uh, his book, uh, Evolution Impossible. Fantastic read, highly recommend it, and uh, you can grab it from all good bookshops right now. We're going to continue on. This is uh, Jaden Lathick. Father's world, I rest me 
Trinity 